views, ideas, and opinions of all of us here at Lucia at Night and our guests are their own. And you should always seek additional professional opinion and advice pertaining to any of the topics discussed here on Lucia at Night. Hello and welcome to Lucia at Night. I'm Lucia and I am so happy to be back for season four. New set. New (laughs) New set for Sarah, too, because we're not together because of COVID. Uh, Sarah Kay is back as well. And Krista is not feeling well. So um, in our premiere episode, it's just going to be Sarah and I. Sarah, welcome back. Hello. Thank you. (laughs) How have you been through COVID? I know we did one sort of special show, but how have you been hanging in there? Uh, Pretty good. It's was definitely pretty crazy but I I know I had mentioned like trying to stick to a routine so yeah I think I was like pretty good with that like I I was still working was working at home so I you know had a schedule where I'd work I would do my at-home workouts that my gym gave me and then just like try and keep a normal routine like I think my parents were going a little crazy because they're not used to being home so much they're going out to work but uh, now that school's back, everybody's starting to go back to work more. I think the tension's kind of gone away a little bit. Yeah. Not, like on each other's nerves. So are you back at school? I mean, back at work and doing everything normally or are things, are you working from home still? I'm still working from home. They're not going to open our office. I don't think until like next year. Yeah. I feel like um, everyone's not opening until next year. Yeah. yeah, but my gym is actually open back up. Uh, so I'm actually like leaving the house to go to the gym, which is very nice. I yeah. did miss that. <laughs> yeah, my gym opened back up too. Shout out to Whip. Um, and it is life changing because it's one of the things I use for my mental health for yeah. sure. That's why I said too, they did uh, go to a CrossFit gym uh, and they like to do uh, client stories. And I remember they wanted to do one on me, which I was so honored. Um, but I just remember saying in there, like, it's a different energy when you go into the gym and then you see all the people that you see like almost every day. Like if I'm having a bad day, just going to the gym and seeing those people always just like helps my mood, my mental health. I'm not stressed anymore. I'm just relaxed. It really, I mean, evidence-based, right? Because that's what I love to talk about. <laughs> but it, it's proven to change your mental, emotional state um, because of the chemicals that are released in exercise, especially HIT training, um, mm-hmm. I found. So HIT training is high-intensity interval training. Uh, is your That's what my gym is. Is that what your gym is as well? Pretty much, yeah. We, we always do like a strength portion um, and, then, and then we do a Metcon, which is kind of like the high intensity, you know, just crying and through. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you look good. And I love your, are those the same glasses? I love your glasses. If you're listening to the show, she's got really, you should be watching because your glasses are really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. They, they are the same glasses, but I'm hoping to get um, a new pair next time I go. I think I'm going in like a month or two. A little bit bigger and more like the wire frame because like these glasses, I think will always be in style, but the bigger frames are coming back and I'm, I'm about it. Yeah, I actually have a bigger um, pair too. And I need to start wearing them because one thing that's changed for me during COVID is I've become blind. Um, oh mainly, yeah, 
Um, Welcome to the <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I do think that um, because I spend so much time on, that was actually Krista texting us if you heard my phone go off. Um, <laughs> you spend a lot of time on Zoom. I literally stare at a computer between the things I do, um, even yeah. recording because I have a new show. Um, called uh, Only Good Heroes. You can catch it on Only Good TV. I'll put a little link up for that. Um, so that and um, teaching clients, I am at a, looking at a screen all day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. I definitely, my screen is like a little small, so I need my glasses to see because mm-hmm. I'm nearsighted. So I can see when I read, but not far away. But because the print is so small, I have to wear my glasses. And I've noticed like I'll get headaches sometimes and it's just like a lot, but I did actually buy blue light glasses and I actually have them here, which I should be wearing now, but then I can't see the screen. What are they? Contacts on. They're, they're supposed to, here, I'll put them on. These are like the type of frames that I'm looking for next time I go to the uh, eye doctor. Oh, those are cool, Sarah. But um, they have like this, I don't know. They're like blue light protecting glasses. So they have something on it to protect your eyes from like the, I guess the blue light from the computer. I'm I'm not very technically savvy with this lingo, but it's supposed to help your eyes for people who stare at a screen all the time. So you're not going to get headaches. It's not going to ruin your eyes. And so I try and wear them as much as I can. Wait, so let me understand this a little bit better. So those aren't prescription glasses. Those are just blue light glasses. These are just blue light glasses, but I'm hoping, um, let me put my glasses back on so I can see you. When I go to the eye doctor, um, when I get new frames, I might ask or at least get my prescription because I think you can buy prescription blue light glasses. And I, I definitely think, would like a pair. I, now, look, everyone, Lucia at night listeners, I just learned something. I didn't <laughs> even know blue light glasses existed, but it actually yeah. was this week I was... Um, just looking at the screen and all of a sudden my eyes went blurry. And then for the rest of the night, talk about Lucia at night. I was Lucia blind at night. I was like, (laughs) my eyesight is literally going from staring at the screen. I know my eye doctor. I remember, Oh, this is like years ago when I first started like outside of college going to work, he had said like, you know, try and look away from the screen every like, you know, 30 minutes. But when you're like, plugging away it's it's hard to remember oh I need to look away from the screen for like 30 seconds mm-hmm. and so like I think I've been getting a lot of like advertisements for blue light glasses so I guess they just know but um I tried these out these were only like 20 bucks so some are a little bit more expensive but these were more manageable where did you find them Sarah these were Walmart but you can get them on Amazon for like the same price I've been trying to stay away from Amazon, um, mostly because I literally uh, purchase everything. If I could buy a car on Amazon, I probably Yeah, I think I know the driver now, too, like, every day. (laughs) It is. It's like every day. I think I actually have one. I just got an email that said, you have an Amazon delivery. This is really nighttime. Um, So I just was checking my emails after work. And um, yeah, I was like, oh, I've got lots of Amazon boxes waiting (laughs) (laughs) and it's funny because they like send a box for each thing it's like not just one box oh no it's always like five boxes five boxes it would just be so much better if they just did one box but completely agree amazon (laughs) if you're listening especially from an environmental point of view 
Right. Yeah. And and they always use the biggest boxes too for like the smallest thing. Smallest it thing. Doesn't make sense to me, but I know. Actually, I think I have a a huge box, and there was like this small little like deodorant thing in it. I was like, yeah. "What is this?" I, I remember uh, I was with my friend one time. I, obviously, this is pre-COVID. I, I actually think it was beginning of school last year. Um, she was buying a stapler for her class, but she bought like multiple things, and she thought it was like I think a book or something because it was a big yeah. box. When she opened it up, it was just the stapler, and it was like a huge box for just like one tiny little stapler. And I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, I don't know what would have happened to all of us if there was no Amazon during COVID, because I felt it was a lifeline um, yeah. for so many people. Um, people with pre-existing conditions. I'm one of them, um, and people with, um, you know, anyone the elderly, vulnerable populations. Yeah, but they could work on their environmental approach. Yeah. <laughs> they got to work on the packaging a little bit. Better. Yeah, just with the packaging. <laughs> but so many people out there during COVID working so hard on the front lines, especially mm-hmm. Amazon drivers and deliverers. So um, a special shout out to anyone that was working on the front lines and out there during COVID. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. So on today's, what'd you say, Sarah? It was just so crazy. So I, I'm right there with you. So crazy. A lot of respect. On today's show, we're talking about um, something called attachment. And attachment in the simplest of forms, and our guest is going to dive into this and what it means in a great detail, is how we relate to people in our life, predominantly our primary relationship, right? So our relationship with our significant other. Um, There's three types of attachment. And again, our guests and I are going to dive into this there's secure attachment, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, and then there's also a disorganized attachment, which is a combination of anxious avoidant. Um, and basically, this is the way we relate in relationships. Um, and I know, Sarah, we've talked about this after a couple of shows, and that's why I thought, you know, we should do a whole series. So we're doing a three-part series with Dr. Chelsea Page. She's going to be our guest. Um, just talking about relationships and struggles in relationships. And almost immediately, because I am a licensed therapist, I can identify attachment styles and why there's conflict. Um, it doesn't, hasn't prevented me in my personal life. <laughs> relationships, like everything, you can't be your own therapist. Um, but we've talked about some of your experiences and as comfortable as you are sharing, but you've had relationships where there's been certain areas of friction. And I think we identified that some of it may have been attachment related. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't remember, but yeah, (laughs) I feel like I shared so much. So I don't, I don't quite remember which one, but (laughs) do you ever, when you're in a relationship, do you find yourself? And again, we're going to dive into this, um, in more detail, but do you find yourself being more, um, anxious when it comes to your partner's time or um, requiring a lot from your partner in some areas that maybe typically people don't require attention or connection in. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, uh, at least in the last relationship I was in, because it was a pretty long-term relationship, there was a lot of growth for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the beginning, there was very much that attachment of like, you know, we need to see each other every day. We need to talk to each other every day. And, you know, and if, if you didn't talk to each other, it was like, what was wrong? 
Um, but then like, as I grew up in the relationship, I was pretty young too. Um, I think I found myself, I think we both kind of found ourselves respecting each other's time Mm -hmm. and not being so focused on, you know, where are you going? When are you coming home? I mean, we knew obviously like, Oh, I'm going to go hang out with my friends, but we didn't need the details. Um, I think towards the end of the relationship though, I started to get a little bit more anxious because it was the end of the relationship, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, it sounds like it kind of went in waves for me. Yeah. And attachment styles can change. And sometimes depending on the relationship, it sounds like in general, though, your primary attachment styles always seemed what's called secure. And again, we're going to launch into this in a lot more detail. Um, But if you have had trouble in a relationship or you feel like sometimes you repeat patterns in a relationship and you're wondering, why do I keep, why do I keep experiencing this? Or why is my partner telling me that I act like this when I don't see this blind Mm -hmm. spot, right? Um, Oftentimes it can be because of attachment styles or why does there so much friction in this relationship when we love the other person, but we seem to have this barrier um, of sometimes it's just simple communication, but that communication is rooted in needs, right? So it has a lot to do with something called attachment. So we're going to spend a lot of time diving into it with our guest, Dr. Chelsea Page. Um, and I'll absolutely share more about my own experience, but, um, Sarah, you're going to get a crash course in attachment. Okay. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back on Lucia at night with our guest, Dr. Chelsea Page. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless, and with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data, coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico, plus text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones or bring your own that's pretty awesome get the best user experience on mobile at pulsecellular.com close the door on your day and light up your night you're listening to lucia at night welcome back to lucia at night and we are so excited to be back for another season and to kick it off with a definitely a friend of the show I feel like you should be a special co-host, Chelsea. Uh, doc- <laughs> Someday, right? Uh, Dr. Chelsea Page, thank you so much for joining us on Lucia at Night. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. And we have a lot to chat about, so this will be good. I know. First, let's talk about we're doing a series on attachment. And everyone's probably like, what is attachment? And when we explained in part one what attachment was, we're going to dive in and have you explain it in greater detail. We just gave some some little nuggets um, for people, but it is so fascinating. Attachment is just such a fascinating theory. Um, It's something I work with. I know you obviously work with it extensively. And, and once I have people in my life and clients that hear about it, they're like, tell me everything. This makes Mm -hmm. so much sense. Right. But before we dive into that, I want to ask you, how have you been? Because we care about you and we know this is crazy times. How have you been doing? Oh, thank you so much for asking. I've been really good. It's, you know, of course, this has been a crazy time for everybody. And it's just been a lot of changes and transitions. And I'm an introvert at heart. So at the beginning of COVID, I 
didn't really make too much of a difference to me, to be honest. But then, of course, as things evolved and, you know, wanting to see people, it has an impact on everybody. So but there's been good changes, hard changes. And but that's life. So we just keep going on with the flow. Yeah, it is life seasons for sure. Oh, yes. And as we head into the fall season and then the holidays, I feel like relationship issues. Well, really, they've been pressing through COVID, but I do feel Mm -hmm. like around the holidays, they kick up more. Do you feel like that as well? Oh, yes. It can be, especially in the attachment, things are based around, you know, triggers and our fears. And a lot of that can be really triggered around holiday time. And there's a lot more emotional, oh, what would the word be? just difficulties because um, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress going around. Usually you're seeing a lot more in-laws that maybe you haven't really seen in a while. Then there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that Mm. kind of kicks up the dirt, (laughs) if you will. So it kind of amplifies the the trickiness. But it sounds like all in all, you're doing well in your own life and your journey and your season. I am. I am. Good. One of the things that we've been talking about here too at Wellseekers and Lucia at Night is just how we want to really focus on real experts, real life information from the experts and simplifying it, making it something that is not to, because sometimes you can hear experts and you're like, that was fascinating. I don't know what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) like it sounds amazing but you are brilliant what does that mean to me in my everyday life while I'm (laughs) navigating 7,000 things right um and that's never going to happen but we're really trying to take this information and make it accessible to people and have experts like you on and really like cut through the people that say they're experts because sometimes you'll hear someone say, oh yeah, I'm a relationship expert or I'm a, a wellness expert and it's like are you do you really know about these theories and how this all works, right? And some people are, so no slight on those people, but just really diving into the foundation and the theories is so important when it comes to health, in my opinion, in my experience anyway. Oh, yes. I I certainly agree. And it's not not that we want to throw other people on the bus, because I certainly never want to talk bad about anybody, but it's something to just be a conscious consumer of information. And because, you know, the coaching industry especially is, and this is something I'm dipping more into myself, is it's not a regulated industry. And so anybody could say, hey, I'm a coach. I'm Mm -hmm. an expert at this. I can help you at this. Mm -hmm. And you have to be careful, especially when it comes to our internal emotional world, because it can be very fragile, especially if you had any past traumas or anything like that. So if you come across anyone that says, you know, I'm an expert and I can like heal you in seven days from all this, like, don't, don't believe that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I think you said it so eloquently. There was, when I said that there was no one I was thinking of in particular, absolutely no Mm -mm. one. Um, So not trying to throw anyone under the bus, more just in the spirit of true wellness, right? And true knowledge, knowing that this stuff does matter. And like you said, right, mind and emotions, mental health, emotional health is so important and making sure you're trusting that with the right people. So much so. And especially as we start, you know, talking about even more around the attachment and intimacy and comfort, that's something too that you're building with someone that you're working with. So for example, my clients that I work with, there's there's a trust factor, there's an intimacy factor. And I they're trusting me with their hearts and really understanding and helping them move through this world in a positive way. So 
you just have to be careful that someone who's saying that's an expert, are they an expert in how they have navigated the world, but not necessarily how it applies to a, a ton of people? So some people, if that makes sense, like they're an expert because it's just worked for them, but they have no freaking idea if it's going to work for anybody else. <laughs> and when it comes to relationships, because so often people want you to tell them what to do. Yeah. And that definitely not the answer, right? Because we all have to decide what our values and beliefs are. And there are some things it's like, okay, that behavior is not healthy, right? Or this is toxic and you can Mm -hmm. identify those things. But so much of relationships is identifying what your values and beliefs are and then fulfilling those values and beliefs. And you don't may not want my values and beliefs in a relationship sometimes, right? Yes. So when it comes to attachment, I have a feeling it's a word we're going to hear a lot more mm-hmm. in the next decade or so, especially. Can you explain what attachment theory is? Yes. Well, there's two people that we really want to know if you want to like actually know the people in attachment. And John Bowlby he really was one of the big pioneers of attachment, especially as it applies to kids and their primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. So like a little kid and their mama. And then this has evolved and really encompassed um, Sue Johnson. She's such a wonderful woman and she developed emotionally focused therapy, which really ties into attachment and applies this concept of attachment to adult relationship. So we kind of want to know those two people. And if that just went over your head to your listeners, like, don't even worry about that. (laughs) You don't have to know the people, but no, I think it's so important. I love Sue Johnson and emotionally. She's amazing. Yeah. And full transparency. I remember going to counseling when I was married and that was where my obsession for relationship work started. And he was like, in 12 sessions, we'll be able to work through the majority of this. I was like, 12 sessions. (laughs) <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. And it goes and it's depends, right? So just as I said before, we have to be careful if anyone says this can be healed or fixed in a certain amount of time because attachment is, it can be a finicky thing. And, you know, what attachment really is, if we get to the kind of the heartbeat of it is as social creatures, we want to feel an intimate connection with others. We want to feel a sense of belonging. We want to feel a sense of connection because as social creatures, if we aren't connected, then there's an inner animal instinct fear that we're going to be just like left in the desert to die. So as dramatic as that sounds, but that's what our like inner nervous system starts to fear. So we want to have an attachment to others where we feel safety and closeness. We trust closeness. That closeness feels okay. That I I'm okay with being close with others. And this is what's called the secure attachment. When we feel vulnerability is okay. We can be our true selves. We trust others. And there's a sense of grounding that happens in that. This really one of the like images that I like to think of is if we think of even mom and little kiddo attachment, is if you think of a little kid, say, playing at a playground, although some playgrounds are still closed, but I think most of them are open now. (laughs) If you see a kid who has a secure attachment with their mom, they know that they're available and reliable and that they're going to be there and be present when they need them. So if they run off to go play on the monkey bars and they look behind them to see if mom is still there, they're checking, are you there? And if I need to, if I like get scared or if I, you know, fall off the playground and have a boo-boo that you're going to, you're going to be there for me when I'm in an emotional, difficult place. 
And if the answer is yes, you are there, we have secure attachment, two thumbs up. Can you explain, and we're going to get into, there's different types of attachment, right? Based upon whether you have the security. And we talked about this. We're going to do this as a two-part series. So in this one, we're going to get into the details of attachment. And then we're going to talk about what the actual attachment styles are in more detail Mm -hmm. in our next show. Can you explain how that's formed, right? So I know you talked about parent or primary caregiver to child. Does it have to be primary caregiver? Does it have to be mom, dad? And can attachment, I know some of these answers, but um, I I think you're (laughs) going to be able to explain it well, but can attachment change? and evolve. Yes, it can change and evolve. So this is especially going to be important when we do dive into the more of the specifics, even though I kind of jumped the gun on that is (laughs) no, it's good. It is something that can change and evolve. It's not something that's set in stone. So if you do find that you have a certain type of attachment style and you're like, Ooh, I don't really want this attachment style. And this doesn't really feel good for me. It is changeable. And I know this because I've seen it in many of the people I've worked with and even myself. So I know personally and professionally that it's totally changeable. It's not an overnight process by any means. It's not like if you try to lose 50 pounds, you can't all of a sudden lose 50 pounds by the next day. Mm. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Absolutely. So yes, definitely is changeable. And as long as you are wanting to change and finding your reason why and being intentional with it and finding someone to support you through it can can certainly be evolved, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely makes sense. And we are going to talk more about the styles and then later on in fur- further parts of the series, talk about how you can change them in more detail. Mm-hmm. So say you grew up in a household where there's obviously risk factors, right? And protective factors for secure attachment. Do- would you say that's fair to say? Yes, totally. So say you grew up in a household where mom was present, dad wasn't, for example. Are there a whole host of factors that are going to go into how you end up attaching as you move through life and and into a primary relationship? Or how does attachment form or can you predict it's forming at all? Yes. Well, it forms because one of the questions you had had is, does it have to be your primary caregiver? Can it be somebody else? And Really, our primary caregivers, whether it's mom or dad, or maybe you grew up with grandma, really, it doesn't matter. There is more influence, especially with mom, because there's the mama bond. But is the person who is most present and the people most present in your world are going to have influences and impact on your attachment style. And this is where it's, it's not just one person and we can't put like all of our blame on one person of how we are or this is the one way it is. It's different people in your world. So perhaps maybe you even have a very unavailable mom and dad growing up that they weren't into that place of, oh, I can trust this closeness there. Maybe they didn't know how to navigate emotions. So if you came to them with something super exciting, maybe you had an A in school or maybe someone's bullying you in school and you're feeling so distraught and so frustrated and maybe you couldn't go to mom or dad. They didn't, they weren't there. They weren't there and available emotionally for those, those pieces, but perhaps a teacher, maybe you had a teacher that was there for you, that you could express your emotions, that you could feel a sense of safety and comfort with there's still, that can still influence the development of a more secure attachment style, if that makes sense. So secure attachment can come from alternative 
um, sources, even if, because I know that among some of those theories is your primary form of attachment, right? Is, yes. is created from zero to 18 months, correct? It is because yeah, we're, we're most influenced, but it can come from really any incidents, to be honest, the way that things can change. Perhaps, Because, for example, you could have grown up in a household where mom and dad were completely available. Everything was feeling really good. Emotions, there were place and comfort for that. But maybe you got into some really awful, nasty relationship in when you were 21. Mm. And then you started to not trust closeness and intimacy from that place because it hurt and was really ouchy mm-hmm. for the technical term. Yeah. And this is why one-on-one is really important sometimes, right? Because everyone's story is so different. So while there are sort of risk factors, quote unquote, for um, either, and we'll talk about these terms more, but avoiding attachment or anxious attachment or disorganized, right? Mm -hmm. There's quote unquote risk factors for those. So non-secure attachment that can be identified in generalities, which we're talking about right now. There's so much more to your story, right? If you're listening right now, you have a really unique story. So you may have had, like Dr. Chelsea said, an incredible attachment with mom, dad, or maybe grandma um, or or grandpa or nana, as I called my grandmother, <laughs> Italian, um, which I did. I had a very, very strong connection with my nana and she was my primary giver, caregiver for the first 10 months because my mom was so busy um, with my okay. three other siblings and shocking I am completely different than my three other siblings in in the way that I attach. She was very Italian from Italy, loving, and um, not that my siblings aren't loving, but I just am way more outwardly affectionate. So even if you grew up in the same household, you all are going to have different attachment styles because of your experience and your caregivers in all aspects of your life, not just your parents. Oh, yes, yes. And for example, my sister and I, we're, we have completely different styles, even though we grew up in the same household. And people can be like, well, why is that? And this is why we're complex creatures. And there's the whole, you know, nature versus nurture and all those pieces. And we each have our own, even though we have DNA that's very similar to that of our family, we are our own unique person with our own unique experiences that interact with the world in our own unique way. Mm. And the way that the world interacts with us is going to be its own relationship. And so how that relationship between you and the world around you, it's going to be your own kind of unique imprint if you will. So even in the same household, it can be completely different because I had completely different teachers than my sister. I had different experiences. I had different friends. I had, you know, different relationship with my dad, my mom, my, my step parents, all of that. So it becomes, there's, there's tons of variables that come into play. Right. So again, just identifying the uniqueness of your own story and how that possibly affects your attachment, right? And the attachment you seek. Yes. The reason attachment theory blew my mind when I was learning about it in my studies, it made sense out of every relationship that didn't go right. Mm -hmm. Almost every relationship that didn't go right. If you're sitting there listening right now and you're like, man, I loved this person, but our relationship was a disaster. Right. Like, mm-hmm. And that is a hard concept. It was hard for me to comprehend. I'm thinking of one relationship in particular where I absolutely love this person's personality. I loved so much about this person. Right. And when people say, well, you can be in love with the person, it's 
the wrong relationship. It's like, well, what does that mean? And it's like, well, it most likely means attachment. Yep. <laughs> you guys have two very different attachment needs, right? And if someone's avoidant and someone's anxious, it can be a disaster. Yes, especially when, so if we think of things kind of on a continuum and a spectrum, especially if we're on complete opposite sides, it's like trying to be in a love relationship with somebody who speaks Italian and you speak English. <laughs> it's like, well, we're not going to quite line up very well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not to say you can't change and work on no. it, but the first step is truly and why we're doing this series is identifying what it is because so many people are really truly perplexed. Like if I love this person, why is it so hard? Oh, I'm always so passionate about this topic too. And I had the same response as you did of when I first learned this, I'm like, this is magic, magic, although it's not magic, but it's like, why do people not teach this? And right now I'm in the middle of um, doing teaching a program just on like specifically on this stuff. So this was so aligned that we are doing this recording right now because understanding what love really is and means and intimacy, we have to understand that what we see on things like movies and TV and also experience at the beginning of a relationship, that's that's not true love. That is unrealistic. That's not sustainable because attachment, what happens and how it gets activated in our certain different areas, which we'll dive into the more specific, you know, the anxious, avoidant, secure. When you're in the beginning of a relationship, it's all exciting and you're like sharing new things. So you're sharing more and more bits of vulnerability and all the hormones are going and your triggers really aren't coming up to the surface just yet, usually. Mm -hmm. And this is not a blanket statement for everybody. But when you're more in a long-term relationship, it's like, whoa, okay, your triggers come into play. Your fear of closeness comes into play. The, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling seen or valued or loved comes into play. Or holy cow, I'm afraid you're going to hurt me like maybe my ex-boyfriend did. So I'm a little afraid to get close to you right now. And that's being triggered at the moment. Mm -hmm. So all the triggers start coming up because that's real life. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you it's so funny. The other day I was thinking whoever created and they live happily ever after mm. just like really gypped love <laughs> and like really set us all up with such unrealistic expectations because it's like it should be. And now the hard work starts, right? Like now the commitment starts and learning each other's language and how, you know, how attachment comes into play. That is relationship, right? That is relationship. Do you think it's fair to say attachment is really, it's the foundation of relationship? It a hundred percent is. It's yes, it's the heartbeat of a relationship. It's this interaction between the relationship with yourself and the relationship with another. And those things combine create the sense of security and the sense of feel good in relationship. And it all influences how we show up in the world and in the world of relationship. And life is not butterflies and rainbows all the time, which all of us going through COVID right now totally know that to be true. Yes. In life, we're going to have stress. We're going to have anxieties. We're going to have triggers. We're going to have arguments. I did uh, this post the other day I did on my Facebook page about having disagreements and arguments in a relationship is okay. That is, that is the sign of a healthy relationship. Not that you're arguing 24 seven, but how you handle those, those disconnects that happen because you're going to have disconnections in relationship. How do you handle it? How do you get back to vulnerability? How do you get back to connection? How do you get back to that sense of secure attachment and repair any disconnects that happen? 
that's life. That's going to happen over and over in a relationship. It's like, it's a given. Absolutely. Maybe this is a good time to actually talk about this. What are the different attachment styles? So when we've referenced the secure attachment, that's the I'm okay in the world, in my world, I'm okay with you. Like I'm good, you're good, we're good. Like everything's good, secure attachment. And then there's the avoidant attachment. So this is somebody who's more of, you know, I'm totally okay in me, I'm good inside of me, but I'm not so sure about closeness with you. So I'm gonna keep you at a distance. I'm gonna avoid you, I'm gonna withdraw from you. An anxious attachment on kind of the other side of the spectrum is, I need to be as close to you as possible. I need to like feel close to you. I need to feel connected to you. I kind of imagine a koala bear for some reason whenever I talk about anxious attachment, like I need to like wrap my arms around you because I also don't trust closeness. And so I need to keep you close. It's almost like the concept of object permanence, which Mm -hmm. is an attachment theme, right? And for people that don't know what that means, it's going back to Dr. Chelsea's example previously where the child in the playground's looking for mom or dad or or adult. I have someone that says, go find your adult, right? Whoever that adult may, may be. So object permanence is if they look back and that person's gone, they're not going to have a good sense that that object's coming back, right? That that person is coming mm-hmm. back, right? So it does create attachment that can be anxious, avoidant, disorganized. Yes. Yeah, so, well, with the the more disorganized, so this is more in the realm of kind of the fourth. And there's so many different ways and different languages that are used. Like if you even try to Google these things, there's so many different names. Mm-hmm. And I like the very simple, secure, avoidant, anxious, and then disorganized or fearful. Those are kind of in the same in this category. This more fourth category is a mix of both avoidant and anxiousness. This is somebody who is, okay, I want you to come closer, come closer to me, but then, oh, that's too close. That's scary. I'm going to push you away. But then I push you away too far. And now that makes me nervous because you're too far away. So I'm going to pull you closer again. And then we have this kind of push pull that's going on rather than the avoidant is more kind of in this more static, I'm going to keep you at a distance and anxious is more in the static, I want to keep you as close as I can. Does that make sense? Makes absolute sense. We're going to have Dr. Chelsea come back on the show to talk about that a little bit more. As we wind down today's conversation though, Dr. Chelsea, for attachment, one of the things that you had mentioned previously that I do just want to highlight is how shifting it can be, right? So if you were like, well, this doesn't make sense because I feel like I'm anxious and I was raised with adults that, you know, were amazing and I felt like I started out as secure. You absolutely, I just want to emphasize, can shift. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen it right with the work that I do, but specifically even for myself, because I get personal on the show, I've seen it in myself. And I really was a secure attacher for a very long time and worked hard to be. We're going to talk about how you can change your attachment style, right? And I remember after my divorce, dating after my divorce, all of a sudden I was anxious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, who is this? Like literally, who is this person? And it took me dating someone who was avoidant to realize how anxious I had become. So it was almost like a gift to date someone who was avoidant to make me realize how attachment styles change, right? For better, for better, but for, I don't want to say worse, but for different, right? Yeah. Well, for difficulty, I think. And yeah, it's hard. Sometimes we want to be careful with the language, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's definitely 
it's changeable and it's it's going to evolve and the more focused you are on really understanding okay i want a secure attachment and even if you're listening to this right now and you're probably maybe because you're avoidant and you're like i don't want a secure attachment because i don't want to be close to anybody yeah it's our primal need as humans to really want to have a sense of security so it's there even if you deny it to be there because it's it's safer to deny it because then you don't have to admit that you want to be close to somebody, which is a whole nother conversation, mm-hmm. but it is a hundred percent changeable and secure attachment is it's this realm that it's not that, okay, we're here, we're in the land of secure attachment. And then we're there forever. Just in your example, you were there and then you kind of bounced out into more of the anxious place. Mm-hmm. The secure attachment is like, I kind of think of it almost as like healthy, like our healthy body living, but healthy relationship living. So if you think of, you know, working out and eating healthy and drinking water, it's not something that you are, once you figure it out, you're like there all the time. Like life is going to kick you out. Like the holidays is going to kick you out of alignment, you know, those kind of things. So you keep working yourself and kind of turning your, your compass and your positioning towards secure attachment and align as best as you can and keep moving toward that, even if you get kicked out of alignment. I love that. Um, And looking at it like that, secure attachment is almost like that epic place of health you want to reach when it comes to emotions. And one of the things I don't think we mentioned that is so important about attachment, I think, is it's not just, of course, we all think romantic relationships, right? Mm -hmm. But this is in most relationships. It gets heightened in romantic. But if you start examining, well, how am I at work? And you start learning about attachment, you're like, oof, there's an anxious attacher, right? There's an avoidant attack. You can see people's relational styles in your coworkers, right? In your neighbors, in certain aspects. You're not going to see it as predominantly, and their traits may not come out to a point where you can identify them as clearly with your romantic partner, right? Mm -hmm. But this is how we relate to the world. Yes, definitely how we relate to the world. And the, the more important somebody is to you, the more heightened our attachment experience with the other person is going to be. Like Mm -hmm. Joe Schmo at Starbucks, um, he might ping me and some part of me might get triggered a teeny bit, perhaps if, I don't know, he says something mean about me, just for example, but he doesn't matter so much to me. So he's not going to have as big of an impact on my internal connecting system. Whereas my husband, we're in connection. It's like, in all in emotionally focused therapy, one of the symbols that gets used is an infinity symbol and the impacts that we have. So we're in a relationship with each other. And yeah, that applies to friends that applies to my sister and myself, like everybody in your world. Absolutely. Dr. Chelsea, thank you so much. Before we let you go, um, we do want to say Dr. Chelsea is going to be back next week talking about what those four attachment styles in detail and how to identify them for yourself and also for your significant other. So make sure to come back. We may actually even just release these together. So if you're listening, you can just pop on to episode number two of Lucia at night. Before we let you go this time, Dr. Chelsea, anything else you want to say that you feel like is important to someone listening? I think just right now, just be an awareness of this. It can be very easy sometimes for us to get kind of either judgy and on ourselves or others when we understand attachment styles, but just 
just be curious, just be aware, start to get a grounding and get your feet under you in this concept and idea. And don't use it as any shame or blaming type of tool. Like don't go in, oh my gosh, I'm anxious attachment. There must be something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. You're learning and you're expanding your world and you'll move closer to secure attachment. Don't worry. I love that. A perfect way to end it. We will be back. And if you want to hear more, just click on episode number two. We'll be right back on Lucia at Night. Hey, it's Lucia, and I'm so thrilled to welcome you to my podcast, Well Seekers, bringing you simple, accessible, and real stories and solutions to find your happy and well from the mind down and to learn to form a better relationship with yourself and others. This is real. We're giving you simple, accessible advice and tools to make your mind, life, and world a whole lot more well with knowledge, inspiration, honesty, self-care, and of course, a lot of fun. So join me and the rest of the Seekerhood as we journey to a mind and life you are going to love. Welcome to Well Seekers. It's a treat and a retreat for your day. You're listening to Lucia at Night. And we're back on Lucia at Night. Thank you to Dr. Chelsea Page. We're going to run this as a three-part series um, and record two more episodes with Dr. Chelsea Page. So if you're listening to this now, hopefully you can um, find the following two episodes on what the different attachment styles are in detail and also how to change your attachment style if you've identified that maybe you want to, maybe there's some growing there for you to do. So Sarah, I know we haven't dove in entirely to um, attachment styles, but I'm fairly confident in knowing you for the time I've known you, that you're probably a secure attacher in a relationship. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. And I think it just, for me, stems down to my personality and my, like, like, I like to have my alone time. And, like, usually, like, my parents or whoever can tell, like, when I just need my me time. Mm -hmm. I like to have my alone time, but I make time but I also make time for like friends and family. So I, I definitely think that I fall into that secure, like we, like that whole, like, kind of like what I said before, like we respect each other's time, but then we find time to come back together. Yeah. I think the hard part about that is for me, at least is as you get older, there's so many demands on your schedule. Mm. And when I do have free time, if um, I'm dating someone or, Hopefully I'm going to be married again at some point. Um, I like spending that time with them because there's so little free time. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard sometimes to tease between an avoidant or an anxious and a secure person and just really busy schedules and wanting to spend your free time with someone. So I hope that Dr. Um, Chelsea can shed more light in episode two, specifically mm-hmm. how we can identify these things because they are so nuanced, right? Yeah. But um, paying attention to some of the things that she's going to share, I think is going to be important if you do tend to be prone towards one of those two things. I think, have you found, Sarah, are you dating anyone? No. <laughs> set you up. Quarantine so. was not, uh, it was a little tough, so... Yeah. Did online dating just completely stop during quarantine? I mean, I think some people did like Zoom dates, but I mean, to me, it's just not, I don't know. I, if when I'm going on a date, I need to 
be with the person. I don't think a Zoom call date just to me doesn't make any sense. But I totally agree. And I also <laughs> feel like it um, would give you the opportunity to like judge someone and maybe not get like the real experience of that person because I need to yeah. feel their energy. And yeah. so I meet someone on a Zoom call and like I can't feel their energy, but in person they would be a different energy. I feel like it really sort of eliminate and same for me I may not be an energy over video that I would be in person so I feel like it does eliminate some some something for sure yeah. like you can kind of like disguise yourself almost like it's almost like you're you're still hiding something on zoom on zoom yeah mm-hmm. you know like I don't know. Like you could just like, like I could like be so close to the TV, to the TV, to the computer. You you can't really see the rest of me or like, you can't see like, like obviously my room's pretty dark, but I have a messy room behind me. So then that's going to show you that I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to show you. I'm not a mess, but I'm just like (laughs) in my room. I am. No, it's almost like hiding something. You're not, like you said, like you're just not getting that full experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like you, there, we are energy. That's what we literally are as humans. And so to be in someone's presence is the best way to feel their, that energy. And I just don't think you can get a good, I mean, I guess you can get the preliminary look, yeah, um, maybe. but I hope that everyone's representing themselves honestly online. <laughs> I don't know. I, you hear a lot of catfish stories, so who knows? <laughs> but. I actually don't think it's true for some reason, which has always perplexed me. And I would love to hear from someone, if anyone's listening, I'd love to hear from someone who, and no shame or, or judgment, but just who has represented themselves differently online, because I feel like at some point you're going to meet that person, right? So yeah. would you want to not do that? I don't know if you, I mean, like for me, I could, I would have to meet them at some point, but like, have you ever watched the show Catfish? I've, I've watched the documentary and I watched the show. I actually have watched the show. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't watch it often, but it, that also just blows my mind that these people will talk to someone online for like months or even years and never meet them. Never meet. I mean, in COVID, yeah. I think that that's possible, but you're yeah. right for years and never meet them and think you're in a long-term relationship. That yeah. would be a challenge for me, but it obviously happens. Yeah. I don't know. It, but I mean, like two for me, kind of like backtracking. Um, I am a very like active person. Mm-hmm. I'm not much of a talker. I'm not very like outgoing, especially at first. I'm not very outgoing. I'm a little more reserved. Mm-hmm. So I like to do something active. So like a zoom date wouldn't work for me because I just think I would just have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. But if I'm out, like, like I remember the last guy dated, our first date was uh, at the mini golf course and I loved it. It's something active or like go for a hike, you know, that to me, I feel like is, is more of what I would want to do. So just this whole zoom, I don't know. I, I need to it's uncomfortable be outside with other people. Yeah, it's yeah. Some people want to be more in their habit, their natural environment, right? Where they feel comfortable so they can open up. It's really hard on Zoom to just start talking. Um, I feel like if that wasn't my profession and, you know, for a decade to be a professional talker and now um, as well, in a lot of ways, it would be a real struggle um, to do that. So everyone that's online dating, my heart goes out to you. Yeah. Um, I know some people are doing it. I just, I, I said, 
no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and everyone that's been, we, we did an episode and Krista's not here. Krista, um, she's been, I've been married. She's has a family and children. Um, and I know a lot of friends of mine with young kids, high school aged kids, it's been a real struggle as well during these times. So really just everyone, um, has been under a tremendous amount of stress and their relationships, which is one of the other reasons that I wanted to do this series of shows um, is to help any relationship, whether you're getting into a relationship, whether you're in a relationship or whether, you, and it's going, you know, okay, or you're dating, whether you're married, whether you're having friction in your marriage, um, whether you're re-entering, one of the scariest things to do is re-enter dating. I know from experience after divorce, it's the scariest experience. So just learning more about your style and maybe your partner's style or potential partner style. So there's something for everyone in this series. So I hope everyone extracts something during these really challenging times. Um, before we go, Sarah, I do want to ask Halloween is going to be coming up soon. And, um, one, what are you doing for Halloween? And I want to throw this out to our listeners too. What are you doing for Halloween and what are you going to be for Halloween? Cause even though I'm one, I'm thinking of throwing a party for the first time in a long time, Oh, okay. <laughs> but a social distancing part, we need to all be wearing masks, obviously. Yeah. We don't have that many people, maybe like a dinner, a Halloween dinner or something with just like a couple of close friends. Yeah. But at the very least, I really want to dress up. Yeah. I, so I actually love Halloween. Yeah. I <laughs> it's do like too. not the popular holiday. Uh, some people even say it's not a holiday. I will argue them till, you know, day I die. Like I love My Halloween. Mom said that. My mom really disliked Halloween. Yeah. I, a lot of people like just don't like it or just don't think it's a holiday. But I love it. I love this time of the year. I love October, the fall, just in general. And Halloween has always been my favorite holiday. So I'm, I don't know what I'm going to be. I'm still thinking that. Um, but I am kind of hoping my gym usually has a Halloween party. They're probably not going to do it. Um, cause Maybe just outside. Talk. That's what I was thinking. Like they, yeah. they're still thinking about it. Maybe they'll do something outside, but, um, I was at least talking about it with my one friend who obviously, um, got me into this gym, uh, that I've known for years and Halloween falls on a Saturday. It's like the perfect day to have some sort of party, whether it's during the day or at night, outside, a few people inside. Um, so I, I'm going to try and push to see like, let's just have like, it's just a small gathering or something. Cause she really wants to dress up too. And I would love to dress up. And I was like looking forward to the, you know, the gym Halloween party. Cause they always have a costume contest. Um, but I have no idea what I'm going to be. I'm trying to think about what my dog's going to be and I'm, I'm stuck. What so, do you think your dog's going to be? I honestly don't know. I'm trying to like get people's I've, I've dressed him in quite a lot of different, outfits. Have you ever done like, um, I mean, I'm, this is going back and I actually haven't even seen the movie, but I know people have done like Austin Powers before. Cause doesn't he have a dog? Oh, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> so this, like, I've seen so many costumes where some one person goes as Austin Powers and then brings their dog or, um, Wizard of Oz. Cause she has a dog. Yeah. I see. I don't know. We've done, I've only done one partner costume with my dog. What did you done? 
So we were just both skeletons because I had a skeleton onesie, so I bought him one. Um, but I've done him as a super dog, like a underdog. I've dressed him up. His name's Jake, so I dressed him up as Jake from State Farm, which is the popular <laughs> costume. Everybody loves it. Um, like a baseball player. I have a football outfit for him. I mean, oh gosh, I have so many that I made for him. Or I didn't make it, but I got for him, and I'm – I'm torn. I have to think about a lot of people too have been like, cause I don't know, quarantine people are just like taking the easy route. They'll just like cut holes in the sheet and put that on their dog, which is like kind of funny, but kind of cute. I might do that with Jake. So wait to so like a ghost, like a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a for their dog. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm brainstorming. I'm going to think- figure that out. I'll figure out my costume. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you, if anyone has ideas for Sarah or myself, I absolutely, maybe we should have our third episode be um, a Halloween costume episode. Ooh, yeah. I have, I have some stuff. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, past costumes, but I'm like, I'm ready for that. Episode three, well, because it's going to be around, of this series is going to be around Halloween. So we'll have to do a Halloween Lucia at night. Yeah, I like that. I <laughs> I'm so that. for it. So if you have ideas um, for us, you can tweet at us um, at Lucia at night or at my own Instagram at Lucia Naz, L-E-C-A-A-N-A-Z-Z. Um, and especially for Sarah's dog. If you have any ideas for Sarah's dog, let us know as well. Um, yeah. We'll do a Lucia at night Halloween Halloween night. That would be fun. I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, so. As we wrap up the show, I just want to say thanks to everyone for joining us. Hopefully you've extracted some valuable information from Dr. Chelsea. As always, make sure if you do have questions to check with your own mental health provider or doctor, um, this show is just for education and entertainment. It's not meant to be a show where um, you use it as therapy. So we will be back soon with part two, talking about the different forms of attachment um, and also hopefully in Halloween costumes. Yeah. (laughs) So we will be back real soon or if our podcast um, server allows us, we are going to upload all of these in a series so you can just click on (laughs) um, the next in this series to learn more about attachment and how it may affect your own relationship and your own life. Make sure to follow us online too on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Wellseekers or on Instagram at Lucia at Night and I'm at Lucia Naz and we will put Sarah K's um, Instagram down there as well. Thanks for spending your night with us. I wish you peace. I wish you hope. And most of all, we wish you love. We'll see you next time on Lucia at Night. Thanks for spending your night with us on Lucia at Night. 